1: My name is Colin, and I'll be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Energy Fuels Q2 2021 conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there'll be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press star, followed by two. Thank you, Mr. Shalmers. You may begin your conference.
2: Thank you, Colin, Uh, and good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Thank you for joining uh, our Q2 2021 conference call and webcast today. As always, we're excited to discuss uh, our Q2 achievements and achievements after the close of the quarter. For those that cannot join the call today, there will be replays uh, of the presentation and recording available for two weeks Uh, on our website uh, starting later today or tomorrow. I just want to say that we continue to make what I believe is extraordinary progress on many fronts. And we believe that Energy Fuels has and continues to emerge as the clear leader in US critical mineral production space. Um, I realize some of those of you that are on the call today are invested in energy fuels for different reasons. It could be uranium, it could be rare earths, uh, it could be vanadium. Uh, and now we've complicated further with the introduction of thorium. And I'm sure that confuses some people and I hopefully I can clarify that over the course of the next 30 minutes or so. But look, at the bottom line is an investment in energy fuels represent an investment in clean energy low carbon emissions, and critical minerals. And I really don't know of any other single investment that you can cover that kind of real estate. Um, most of you, almost all of you will know that we have a long history as a U.S. Uranium producer, and we're very proud of that. And now we're really pleased that we now have the ability to process rare earths uh, at scale, and we're more advanced than any other rare earth company in the United States. And we're producing a rare earth product, intermediate product, which is currently being shipped to Europe. And we have big plans. We're targeting 50% of U.S. requirements in the not-too-distant future, but there's no reason we can't eventually be able to produce 100% of current U.S. Uh, requirements or greater when we secure adequate sources of monazite feed, and established separation at White Mesa. So this is incredible progress and we're incredibly proud of this. We also continue to build our relationships with a number of groups, certainly Kimor's, Neo, Hyperion, Carister, and others that I'd like to tell you about, but I can't. Um, and I believe that based on the quality and the quantity of inbound calls is a reflection Of what people are noticing with our progress, the rapid progress. But I've said this before and I said it a little earlier we are not stopping at mixed rare earth carbonate production. We are absolutely going to develop fully integrated U.S. supply chain through a minimum of separated oxides at White Mesa Mill, and we believe it will be low capex and opex, competitive with the world's best producers, including China, and scoping studies are well underway. In addition, we're seeing the prices of uranium and vanadium increase over the last number of months. And if you look at the value of our inventories that on the books versus the current prices, it's actually at current prices our inventory is worth about $14 million than we currently carry uh, as our working capital number. We also continue to get recognition for industry leading recycling programs. So we believe that Energy Fuels has got to be one of the best ESG stories in the business, particularly in the United States. So before um, we move to the slides, I just want to remind people that you are controlling the slides uh, on the web. Uh, with the, the previous and next buttons. Uh, I'm also uh, pleased uh, to say that in, we will be answering questions at the end of the presentation, as Colin mentioned. Also, please announce that Sarah, Lux, our controller, uh, will help uh, join me at the end of the presentation if there's any questions that I can't answer. And Dave Friedland and Curtis Moore, who many of you know, are, are all taking well-deserved uh, vacations. So. Let's jump in, and on this first slide, and a lot of you have seen this before, The picture of the White Mason Mill in Utah, in southern Utah. And the one thing I want to note is that we added thorium, the uranium, rare earth elements, vanadium, recycling, and thorium, and I'll talk more about it uh, in a second or two. So, next slide. I may well be making some forward-looking statements. Those are included at the back of the presentation. Next slide. All right. So, here we are. And you've all seen this, our core business case, and many of you have energy fuels. Uh, It's the same as in the past. Our core business is and will always be uh, uranium. Uh, You know, we've we've added rare earths in the last, uh, probably, last 13, 14 months. We're now producing vanadium long history of producing vanadium, vanadium prices are increasing, the recycling, which I talked at at, uh, in previous presentations, and now we added the thorium. And we're very excited about thorium because like uranium rare earths, uranium rare earths also have contained thorium, which we believe uh, has the potential to be recovered for medical isotopes it could be used for emerging cancer therapies. That is a remarkable addition to the front line here. And also, we're very, very proud of our financial strength and our zero debt. And also on this slide, you can see where we on the side on the periodic table, we got uranium, vanadium and thorium. Next slide. So our financial strength and flexibility, um, we posted in our financials 98.8 um, million uh, cash securities or inventories. Um, that uh, inventories are valued at what our book values, as you can see in the table on the right. Uranium at, at 23.79 per pound, and vanadium at 5.11 per pound. And with, at current prices, the price uranium is up 37% from that, and nearly double for vanadium. So when you look at the 98.8 million, that's actually very conservative. It's actually about $14 million more than that. Uh, We have a significant uh, uranium inventory that we produced ourselves as well as uh, vanadium inventory that we produced ourselves. Our revenue was just about a half a million dollars. That was mainly from uh, some of the cleanup work we're doing in New Mexico, uh, zero debt. Um, We did have a net loss of about nearly $11 million, but uh, 3.6 of that was related to the share price increase and the warrant liabilities. so that's a non-cash issue. We also had about $2.5 million in increasing expenditures for our rare earth production in Q2, and I want to say that even though the capital costs uh, was only less than $2 million for capital costs. We had things like reagents and labor costs that skewed that a bit. Uh, our guidance for 2021, we are not going to produce any uranium at the current time. We're going to retain that in circuit, in circuit inventory. It actually uh, is produced, but it will be circulating in the system, and we won't be recovering it into finished goods. So year-end, at this point in time, we're projecting – Uh, nearly 700,000 pounds of uranium inventory. Also, rare earth oxide, we're um, uh, projecting that we'll produce between 700 and 1,100 tons of mixed rare earth carbonate uh, production, which is about uh, 350 to 550 tons of REO. That is because of a delay in shipments from Chemours. It is not a reflection of our ability to produce rare earth carbonate. They've had some operational issues, and I'm currently talking to them how they uh, catch that up uh, in in due course. So anyways, for those of you that have a question about our ability to produce rare earth carbonates, it is not restricted on the plant. It's restricted on this short-term shortage of feed. Next slide. So let's talk about some of our milestones. Um, you know we maintain our u.s uranium leadership uh, we've been production of the rare earth uh, products and we started shipping carbonate uh, uranium uh, you know we still uh, continue as we believe the clear leader in the us space uh, we maintain our um, uh, assets on standby um, and uh, as I mentioned we've got uh, uh, uranium inventories that are currently valued at about twenty two and a half million dollars that we produce its U.S. Origin. We also announced after the quarter that we are divesting some non-core assets to international consolidated uranium, which we're very excited about. I have a long history of a number of the members of uh, international consolidated uranium and that has a pro forma value when it's closed and all the progress payments are made of around $24 million. We will become the largest shareholder of CUR. Rare Earths, we talked about the first shipments that started to go to Estonia, um, and no other company is advanced as we are. We signed uh, our contract with NEO uh, for the uh, shipment and for them to procure uh, rare earth carbonates from White Mesa uh, on July 7th. Uh, And then we continue to have uh, numerous discussions with monazite suppliers around the globe, as well as advancing our scoping studies with Carister for uh, full integration. Vanadium, um, really no change in vanadium as a company except for the fact that the price keeps going up, and we now have about $16.5 million of high purity vanadium in stock and ready to sell when we decide to sell it the new kit on town is thorium and we announced recently that we had signed a um, strategic alliance agreement with radtran which is a denver-based company and we're going to be evaluating the recovery of thorium uh, as i mentioned for the production of medical isotopes i'll talk about more a little bit later Uh, for emerging cancer treatments, and we're very, very excited about that as well. So, look at this next slide. Um, Just showing our footprint in the United States, and most of you have seen this before, from Wyoming all the way down to Texas, and the White Mason Mill in the Four Corners region. Next slide, our front line of uh, production centers White Mesa, Alta Mesa, the Pinyon Plain, and the Nichols Ranch uh, facility. Um, You know, these continue to be our front range. We still have Alta Mesa, Nichols Ranch on standby, as well as Pinyon Plain, uh, and White Mesa is the only producing asset we have at this point in time. This slide, um, again, you've all seen this, or most of you have seen this, but between Cameco and Energy Fuels, between Their assets and our assets, 85% of the uranium produced in the United States, came from two companies. And um, when uh, you add U.R. energy in Uranium One, uh, that is 97% of the uranium production in the United States over 15 years. And actually, the assets that were uh, on selling to CUR, or International Consolidated Uranium, they would actually become the fifth largest if you look at the uranium production over time. Um, from those assets. Next slide, uh, your rare earths and uranium, uh, you know, again, I talked about this at length. Uh, it's very complementary and, uh, you know, we still uh, are focused on monocyte because of the high value. Um, you know, we really believe that this is a real value proposition in our ability to um, to, to to basically recover the uranium, potentially the thorium, uh, and dealing with radionuclides is a real game changer and um, Constantine Karinopoulos continually uses that and I really am happy he does because it is really uh, a remarkable uh, position that we are in as we advance um, our critical mineral hub uh, for these number of elements and also for fulfilling this nearly projected five-fold increase and re- magnetic rare earth
3: oxides that they're projecting over the next 10 years. Next slide. Monazite, um,
2: again, I've talked in the past about this, but it is a byproduct of uh, existing heavy mineral sand operations. It's mined around the world, and, and as I said and told people previously, we're talking to basically everybody around the world uh, every day that goes by, more people understand the progress we're making and the speed of our progress, and so that is uh, creating a number of interesting opportunities that are showing up at the doors um, for us. Uh, it is low-cost production. It's high-grade. It has, um, you know, typically the heavy mineral sands that produces produce monazite sands, which is between 50 to maybe 60 percent total rare earth oxides which is like the equivalent of the MacArthur Rivers with Scar Lake and the uranium industry and the rare earth industry, and that's why we're focusing on the monazite. It is lower cost production and processing. It's got great distributions uh, of NDPR and heavies, and it's much higher grade than typically what is mined in the bass and night. So, um, you know, we're gonna stick to this monazite plan, even though uh, we will look at other sources in due course. Next slide. Now, this slide, uh, again, uh, just unique capabilities of the White Mesa Mill. Uh, and uh, this picture on the right uh, is a picture of myself, uh, Logan Shumway, our mill superintendent, and Constantine uh, Karinopoulos at our packaging plant. That is a one-ton bulky bag uh, of rare earth carbonate that is headed to Estonia. And um, I checked this morning and right now we've, we've basically packaged about 170 or 180 bags of this rare earth carbonate and we've got another 20 or 120 to go in this first batch from Kimor's. and so we're very excited about that and we had sort of a photo op, Constine uh, came down to the mill and um, it was really a great day to showcase what we've accomplished and as quickly as we accomplished it and with the limited capital cost uh, required. So uh, again, um, you know, this, this first amount from Kimores is giving us the opportunity to, to basically work all the kinks out in the mill in terms of recovery, reagent consumption uh, and handling of the product. Uh, and, but we, you know, our next step is we want to secure enough feed to get up to around 15,000 tons of feed which would be approximately 50% of U.S. current requirements. So, uh, you know, a little bit of monocyte goes a long way because of the grade, and, um, and so, you know, again, we're moving very quickly on this run. Next slide. So, I've talked, uh, again, quite a bit about our short-term plan, which is the purchasing uh, and processing of around 2,500 tons per year of monocyte. Uh, I mentioned that you know Kimor's is, is lagging on that, but we're going through some steps, and I have some talks with them next week on how they can increase that. Hopefully, in the next uh, not too distant future, um, we are uh, out there actively seeking to purchase additional monocyte, um, and um, there are people, as I said, around the world that are noticing what we're doing and are talking to us about monocyte supply, and. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, we're we're planning to, you know, in this, this period of time, while we're building up our capabilities and our ability to eventually separate, you know, we're using the facility with NEO in Estonia um, uh, for separation, a very strong, healthy relationship with NEO, and we plan to have that continue for a long, long time. So, when you look out uh, in 2023-24, We hope to have a U.S. centric supply chain. Uh, We've been talking about potentially submitting uh, our plans to the state of Utah next year sometime. That's not completely nailed down yet uh, to have and capture the full value chain of the rare supply um, at White Mesa, including our relationship with NEO. So, uh, you know, we're very excited about our collaboration with the Caristers. Many of you. Know of Carister's, they're long established and proven um, uh, 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 operators and separators of monazite feeds, not just in France but in China as well. And lastly, uh, we have a long history of dealing with solvent extraction at the White Mesa mill. So many people that tell us uh, that um, solvent extraction is uh, is unruly and not easy to control, which is true. Uh, we have a head start over most. So this is just a graphic of what I just said. And, um, you know, looking at this this initial step to get through separation and then looking in the midterm in a few years to have full integration. And as I said, too, uh, you know, we're looking to get through at least separation at the White Mason Mill, but we're starting to look at metals and alloys and powders right now. So we still got work to do there, but we're taking it a step at a time. Next slide. So um, sort of our accomplishments in a little over a year, uh, we continue to engage additional professionals. We know we, we've we had Constantine working on this with us for over a year, Rocco Kelly, Jack Lifton, and Carister. But we recently hired Chris Wyatt. Chris Wyatt worked for Aluka. He's a heavy mineral sand expert and he's helping us, particularly in this front end when it's securing and sourcing a monocyte for the White Mesa mill. So we're really pleased to have Chris join the team. And that just continues with our philosophy and approach that we know we don't know. And so we'll bring in the expertise we need in every step to get the best outcomes possible. So I'm hoping in the not too distant future, that we can add to this list on on top of Kimors and Hyperion um, uh, to others that are joining the initiative. Uh, I actually talked to Hyperion this morning and so they're very excited about working with us in the future. Uh, you know, I've talked about the rare earth uh, carbonate that we're producing at the mill and, and it's very unique that you have an opportunity like this that I mentioned that we went from lab scale to one ton scale to 100 ton scale we've done this 300 tons this last run and the next step we hope to start up in October and it'll be somewhere in the order of six to 800 tons and we plan to continue to ramp it up as feed becomes available um, you know I mentioned the separations of the work with Carister um, you know we hope to have some initial results it won't be final results on some of the scoping work that they're working on uh, in the next month or so, uh, and I mentioned the rare earth metals and alloys that we're currently uh, starting to, to 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 do more work on, and then we have secured around two million dollars of support from the U.S. government thus far. Next slide. So, this is a new slide that I don't think I've shown to you before, but it's. Why can energy fuels succeed when others have struggled? Number one, we have the licenses and the capability to handle the radial nucleides in monazite. Number two, monazite has a high grade in value over other rare earth minerals. And I, I, I know this is a little bit prescriptive as I go down, but it, it, I'm trying to really hit the points. Monazite is already being mined in the US and around the world. There is monazite out there that is available. Number four, it's it's straightforward to process monazite over some of the rare earth streams. In our case, it's low cost and capital efficient with existing infrastructure. Um, number six, you know we're planning to use solvent extraction technology, which we have this long history of, of nearly forty years. We're going to focus on. Proven technology using SX. Now if other technologies present themselves that we think makes sense we'll look at them. And lastly, Utah is a great place to do business. It's low-cost jurisdiction. They're very pro mining and processing and we think it is far less costly to do business uh, in Utah than it is places like California and Australia. Next slide. All right, now let's talk about, about um, our divestment of our non-core assets. We announced that after the end of the quarter on July 15th uh, to uh, international consolidated uranium. We're divesting the Tony M mine, the Daenerys mine, the Rim mine, and some DOE leases. That divestment comes with a toll milling agreement. They are the only company that will have a toll milling agreement at this point in time with energy fuels. These are high-quality, fully licensed, and either completely developed or partially developed, and they are ready to become a uh, producer of uranium when the markets justify. Total consideration is approximately 24 U.S. million if all aspects of the agreement are exercised. We'll get $2 million at cash at closing, which we believe will be in about the next month or so, will become a 19.9 shareholder of of CUR, um, and that's worth around $15 million at current prices. They'll make progress payments, two progress payments of $3 million Canadian at the 18th and 36th month anniversaries. And then when they go into production, another payment of $5 million. I will also go on the board of um, International Consolidated Uranium to help them with my long expertise as I started as a miner in 1976 and that dates me a bit so additional benefits to energy fuels it reduces our holding and compliance costs we are still going to manage the properties for the time being for at least three years so we'll continue to use our people to make sure the permits are in good order They're well-maintained, and they have access to myself and our other people in the company for advice as required. And we hope they spend money on these projects because they can get these mines in better condition than they currently are because we don't have time to focus on them right now and then provide ore to be processed at White Mesa in the future. So, again, we're very excited about this. This is not to be considered that we're getting out of the uranium industry we just don't have time to focus on it and this is a way that we hopefully can see CUR grow become a uranium producer and we are their major shareholder next slide now let's talk radtran and this is strategic alliance that we announced just a few days ago the execution of the agreement I mentioned Radtran is Denver-based, it's technology development company, and they are actively uh, investigating the recovery of isotopes from existing processing streams at White Mesa. The, the focus is on these alpha therapies, uh, the TATs, the targeted alpha therapies for cancer treatment, and, what, uh, the, the, and there are a number of these in, in uh, approval with the FDA and around the world. Um, there are major pharmaceutical pharmaceutical companies that are studying and advancing um, these alpha emitting um, treatments. They're in short supply. Uh, the objective is to treat cancer on a cellular level by minimizing the damage to surrounding healthy tissues because the alpha uh, therapies um, basically half life out very quickly, and so the existing uh, sources of isotopes for this are costly and probably not able to to scale up to meet the demand of some of these new drugs. And Radtran has technologies, patented technologies uh, that they've developed, and they've also been working closely with. Uh, the Pacific Northwest National Laboratory, which is owned by the Department of Energy. They've actually received funding for this initiative. RADTRAN was not the only party that came to us with this idea. There are other parties that came to us with this idea, and we chose RADTRAN for a number of reasons, including location. They were the first in the door. And so the benefits to energy fuels, we can possibly play a role uh, in, in filling some of this uh, solution to the medical supply chain. Uh, the materials, the the, the monazite ores and you know, uranium ores contain a number of these isotopes. Uh, it is another example of recycling and value-add for our shareholders and it could potentially add significant revenues to energy fuels. It's early days so I'm not going to speculate but it could be very significant. And you know what a great story when you look at the uranium, the rare earths, uh, the radionuclides that then potentially we can recycle working with radtran for the isotopes to treat cancer. So I think this is a really, really great position for us to be in and utilize the elements that come into the mill in every way possible. This is my last slide, just summarizing, you know we talked about our uranium assets, proven assets, uh, you know long history producing uranium, our ability to ramp up. They're 100% paid for and they've proven. Um, we have more facilities, more capacity, more expense uh, experience than any other. US company in the production of uranium. You know we're now producing the rare earth carbonate. Um, We're more advanced than any other company in this regard in the U.S., we're shipping that to Estonia. Uh, There are advances being made with the U.S. government on a number of fronts. Not just the U.S. Uranium Reserve, but also on critical minerals. So we're very pleased with the new administration's efforts to focus on critical materials and there is no one else that has more of those than energy fuels. We're still advancing our recycling and our cleanup programs. We have the strong balance sheet that I mentioned that is actually quite conservative when you look at current prices of uranium, vanadium, and the divestment of the non-core assets. Uh, Vanadium uh, production is still an option and is improving by the day, and our inventories are going up in value uh, substantially and the recent addition of the thorium recovery option and possible cancer treatments, I couldn't be more excited. So now that will be it for me. It's open to the floor for questions, and that is the end of my presentation.
1: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press star, followed by one on your touchtone phone, You'll hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by two. If you're using the speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question. Okay, your first question comes from Heiko Ely from HC Wainwright. Please go ahead.
3: Hey Mark, hope you're doing well, thanks for taking my questions. Can you hear me? Yeah, my pleasure, Heiko. Fire away. Perfect. Perfect. Hey, in relation to all these uh, rare earth stuff that that you're doing and all the other really non-uranium stuff, uh, clearly the market is very appreciative of what you're doing there. When when one looks at the share price and the chart, a few a few years back uh, we did a roadshow together in uh, Switzerland. and your presentation at Little Cupid Arrows or you showed all the different franchises, for lack of a better word, that that you have going with the company. Uh, Mentally, looking back at that presentation, or more clearly for everyone else, I guess, uh, uh, how, how would you say the priorities for the firm, both in regards to management's time but also investment dollars, have changed for the company? And frankly, I wrote this question before the call, but then even you brought up on the call that inbound calls are very much focusing... On, on some of these things. I mean what, what can can you just sort of maybe walk us through changes of priorities?
2: Yeah, look, I I think the changes or priorities are really what drives cash flow now, okay, or what improves our cash position and our profitability. And 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 when you look at the prices of rare earths today they're economic, and if we have enough monocyte and abilities to to do this value add in the processing, HICO, um, it is a, a, a significant economic return. If we had the ability to do all of it right now, so so it, it's a right now opportunity. And so, yeah, I, I I would say that my main focus right today is rare earths, um, uranium. You know as well as a lot of people, I've been doing this for 40 years. It's it's really It's really my love, my first love when it comes to um, mining. Um, You know, we still need higher prices. So, um, you know, we're still, you know, keeping our our properties in in, in good standing. We're still spending money on them. We've still got our key people there, Um, but we need higher prices. So it's not really a now opportunity um, other than the fact we're ready to go into production, um, you know, when the time presents. Um, when, when, you, when you look at things like the, the vanadium, um, I mean, actually, when you start looking at vanadium, and vanadium price is going to be very, very uh, spiky, as you know, uh, if you go back two or three years, uh, you know, now the price of vanadium is nearly $10 a pound. I mean, it's it's almost a now opportunity as well. So, you know, I, I think really when I look at where I'm spending my time, um, it, it's, it's, it's on the rare earths. Um, mainly because of the now
3: opportunity.
2: so yeah. um, But we can shift uh, quickly as required.
3: Makes sense. Slightly different question, and, and this is more or less thinking out loud uh, with the sale to the international consolidated uranium. Um, would it maybe make sense, or have you at least ever considered spinning off some assets into a little publicly traded spinco instead of selling them to a third party? And and if so, uh, what assets do you think would lend themselves to such a thing?
2: Yeah, geez, I don't think I want to speculate that much on a call like this, but look, we will always consider whatever makes sense um, to our shareholders. And uh, I recognize that, you know, it gets complicated when, you know, as I said at the beginning of the presentation, before I started the presentation, that, you know, uranium, rare earths, you know, vanadium and, and thorium, it, it gets to be a bit of a mouthful. So, you know, as this evolves, um, you know, we will consider, you know, what creates the greatest values uh, and go from there. Um, you know, when you look at, you know, spinning off bits and pieces, you know, each of those bits and pieces would have, you know, corresponding overheads. And um, and we also have, uh, you know, a lot of our overheads are, Experienced at managing all these assets. So, uh, you know, look at at this point in time. Have we thought about it? Yes. Are we actively thinking about doing it in the near term? No. (laughs) But could we, and what will we spin off? Um, You know, I don't want to go that far on this
3: call. That's I think a very fair answer, especially given the, the nature of this call. Thank you all very much. Congratulations, and thanks for taking my questions.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, as one more reminder. Should you have a question, please press star, followed by one. Your next question comes from Joseph Regor from Roth Capital Partners. Joseph, please go ahead.
0: Hey, Mark. Thanks for taking the questions. Um, You touched on a lot of things, but I have some questions that are kind of more specific to the uranium industry. Um, There's been... You know some public commentary about the um, uh, infrastructure bill and subsidies included in it for the nuclear power industry, and you know I just wanted to see if you guys have any thoughts on on what's being done there and how it may or may not benefit you guys.
2: Um, yeah, Joe, um, it, it's pretty quick moving. You know, there's a lot of news uh, on on all things infrastructure and nuclear critical minerals, you know, we haven't really been able to piece it all together, but uh, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm, I'm quite pleased with how the administration, the Biden administration uh, has been looking at all those things uh, seriously. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I think, um, you know, we've never been really in a better position uh, to, to get some relief, uh, but... But what I have learned over the last three, four years, and you'll know how much work we spent on the Section two thirty two and the Nuclear Fuel Working Group, um that you can't depend on it and you can't take it to the bank. Okay, so we're not managing a company that we're gonna get relief from the government uh anytime soon, even though if we get it, it'll be appreciated. Okay. So I, I think though that um uh you know even even some of these uh, discussions on, uh, like you know, supporting nuclear power and all that. Uh, some of the, uh, you know, the commentary looks like it came right out of the nuclear fuel working uh, report. Uh, you know, so you know, it's 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 good that some of this has lived on, and this this, this um, you know initiative started with the other administration, with the Trump administration, but a lot of it seems to be carrying forward. For the right reasons, okay, in a bipartisan way. So, you know, look, it's it's moving pretty quick right now. So, I don't know exactly how it lands, but but uh, you know, so far uh, they're making the right sounds and the right noises with regard to doing something.
0: Okay, fair enough. Um, just quick follow up on that, that series of things. You mentioned historical stuff. There's the 75 million dollar uranium reserve that's supposed to be created. Do you have any update um it's been rather quiet um on what the government's actually doing with that if they're going to actually spend the money you know what are the qualifications um to be able to apply to deliver into it um is there anything additional you guys could uh, give us on color on that
2: well you know because it's appropriated you know it's it's you know the money is approved and the doe and and NSA in, in are trying to figure out how to, to, to administer the program uh, one of the things that it slowed it down and this kind of surprised me when I heard it that um, you know, there was there's discussion of whether they had to do a, a NEPA process which is with the National Environmental Protection Act process which, which um, had you know and it, it could be done on a desktop review uh, which could be very quickly or a more detailed review to slow it down. But but um, the latest I, I saw even just a few days ago that they're trying to resolve that. Uh, but I'm also hearing that, you know, the federal year basically ends at the end of September. First of October is the beginning of the federal um, budget year. Uh, but I'm also hearing that I believe it will be carried over while they're trying to figure out how to administer the Um, The reserve and there are also uh, other steps being made to um, to increase it uh, potentially to that 150 million a year uh, that was originally in the nuclear fuel working group report Um, so so again um, no specifics it's still on the radar screen you know if we get support as a company we'll take it Um, but we're not managing the company um, you know, on um, beliefs that we're going to get relief from the government in any form.
0: Okay, fair enough. And, and thanks for the additional color there. Uh, one final thing, if I can. Um, you know, there there was a bunch of contracts handed out for the cleanup of uh, old uranium mines on Native American lands. Um, have you guys seen any opportunities come from that to do either toll milling or processing of any kind, um, or like alternative feed? Uh, anything there or you know whether it be later this year or next year where you can pick up some additional revenue yeah
2: we we're, we're, we're still we're still working on it we we are doing that cleanup uh with Rio Grande Resources which is the Mount Taylor mine um we've got i think about 40,000 tons that have been shipped to the mill already uh on that um but yeah we we we're still working behind the scenes to uh, and and when, when they start cleaning up these mines, they, they may well find that they have uh, digging up um, uranium that, that we could handle at the mill. What they're going to do with it, I don't know. But the mill is certainly an alternative. So, yeah, we're still, we're still trying to advance that. Um, but unfortunately, it's, it's the, the biggest issue there on the reservation is is mirrored in the politics. Um, I, I hate to say it, and I will say it on this call that you know a number of the environmental groups um they don't want us to be involved with the cleanup on the reservation because they'd rather not help us they don't want to help us they'd rather uh have that stay on the reservation um at at the health expense of the navajos and and the native americans so that's really pathetic and and i know if some of them listen in on it they can call me directly on that but but the, the politics are getting in the way of a viable now opportunity that we could do with the reservation right now, as we're doing currently uh, with the Mount Taylor Mine in New Mexico.
0: Okay. Thank you for the additional caller on that. I'll turn it over.
1: There are no further questions at this time. I'll turn it back to Mr. Schalmers for closing remarks.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, look, thank you for um, listening in on the conference call. Um, as I said, it, you know, there's a lot of things happening. Uh, you know, we're we're focusing on the long term here uh, to create significant value for our shareholders. We're not managing the company for the share price tomorrow or the next day. We're managing the company to create significant value uh, over the long term. Uh, when you look at our company currently market cap is around 750 million US. Uh, I look towards the Linus's and the NP uh, materials that have market caps of four and four to six billion dollars. Uh, you know that's what we're aspiring to be as we get some more of these things in place and on these critical uh, mineral opportunities. Uh, including the advancement of thorium, which is early stages, but still very exciting. So, you know, we are not trying to just, uh, you know, do good things. We're looking at doing big things. So uh, thank you for your time. Uh, Really appreciate those that uh, have an interest in our company and our investors, and we will work hard to build value for all of you uh, as we go through and advance our objectives. So thank you very much.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's Investor Relations section on their website. See you next time.